Speak Your Truth listeners, today we have with us Amani McGee-Stafford, who is a WNBA player, former University of Texas women's basketball player. Amani, how are you today? I'm great. I'm great. Good. I'm so glad to hear that. So first of all, tell us a little bit about yourself. I don't want you to get too deep yet. Tell us a little bit about you just so we can get a little bit of background about you. Um, so I currently play for the Dallas Wings. Um, I just got traded from Atlanta back to Texas. I went to the University of Texas, as you mentioned. I'm from L.A., born and raised. Uh, I would be remiss if I didn't mention my family. My mother is a Hall of Fame basketball player, Pamela McGee. My older brother is a two-time NBA champion, JaVale McGee. Um, so, yeah, uh, I kind of like call myself an artsy athlete. I just recently started my nonprofit. I write poetry. I purchased I published a book a couple of years, like about a year and a half ago. Nice. Um, and yeah, that's a little bit about me. Nice. So you mentioned your mom is a Hall of Famer. How did her um, career influence you playing basketball? Um, I think one thing for me, like I played, I kicked basketball late. Like I was, I did everything besides basketball until like seventh, eighth grade, and then my first basketball game, I broke my ankle. Oh my so goodness! Yeah, and you stuck with it. <laughs> I High school. That would have made me um, quit, man. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was kind of just like a thing, right? So my whole, but the thing about it was, I was terrible when I first started playing basketball. I didn't get like halfway decent until like junior high school. Wow! And I would walk in the gym, and everybody knew I was family East daughter, so they would be super excited, <laughs> and then I would be so disappointing. Like, <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> so it was kind of like a thing of how am I going to get to college and basketball seemed like the most logical way to do that and as I got older I kind of got better and I fell in love with the game more but I was just around it my whole life like I grew up watching my brother play watching my mom play you know exactly describe the type of support they were able to offer you having them done it first man it was so helpful like it was crazy to me because I was like when I was going through the process I had questions and like because of who my mother is, I grew up around Hall of Famers. Like, Lisa Leslie was my family friend. She was, like, my mentor growing up. Oh, wow. Tina Thompson, college coach, known me since I was a baby. Like, my agent to this day actually has known me since I was a baby because his wife is Cynthia Cooper, who played with my mom, you know? That is amazing. So, like, I just had a wealth of knowledge and people to ask these questions. And I was just thinking, like, what do you do if, like, you don't have, like, what does a normal person do? Because I'm like, I can ask my brother, I can ask my mom, like, all these people that have kind of done it before me. So it was super helpful just in terms of, like, being prepared. Exactly. That's awesome. That is so awesome. So did you, when you started playing basketball, finally, did you always have dreams of making it this far? Or was it something you just did for fun at first and it led you here? Uh, I didn't think I was going to play pro. I always said, like, I'm playing to get an education. Mm -hmm. Like, I went to UT because I had the number one accounting program in the country. Wow. And that's what I wanted to do. Greek. Oh, and, cool. And, like, having a real job was my it. Exactly. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. That's what might really need to be option. I know that is right. Trust me. I already know how that goes, man. Oh, my goodness. I definitely feel you. So, I know you mentioned poetry was one of your interests and hobbies. What other interests do you have as well? And talk about a little bit about your poetry. Um, so, I love to read. I'm a big nerd. Uh, like, I, like, when I went to China last year, I brought, like, 12 books overseas with me. Oh, wow. Um, what yeah, books were they? I read, like, most of them, too. 
Um, but reading has always been just like so fun for me and kind of like a way to escape. And then poetry kind of had that same effect for me. So that's kind of what I do in my free time. I have two dogs. Um, nice. And I like my life. So. <laughs> <laughs> nice. What What books did you take with you to China? Man, I took a lot. So, um, Elephant Rage by Brendan Cooper. Okay. Um, I finally read The Alchemist nice. by Paul Coelho. Um, there's a book called Unafraid uh, by Corey Benjamin. It's a religious book about moving from fear-based faith. Uh, what else did I read when I was out there? I had a lot of books. So like <laughs> no, it's okay. You naming those those plus the um, authors, I think, is really good because I can I can tell you the names of books. I cannot tell you who wrote them. So bad at that. <laughs> <laughs> so bad at that. But that's awesome. Can you tell us a little bit about your poetry? Um. So I started writing poetry. Um. When I was twelve, I used to think I was gonna be the next Alicia Keys. So I sang. <laughs> I wrote songs. I did all that. Dope. And then, um, Seventh grade English, we started studying Tupac and Anne Frank and like oh, cool. poetry. And like, I just completely fell in love and like abandoned writing music and just started writing poetry. And it's always just kind of been a way for me to express myself. And then, like, in high school, I got into uh, I got into spoken word and watching people people doing poetry. And I grew up in LA, so I got to go to DPL with Sheehan and Ruby Francisco and Javon Johnson and like those big names, you know? Cool. They were all like that. Go to and stuff. So I got to see them in live, see them live and stuff. That's um, cool. And like, I've always just loved how people can connect um, via shared human experience and emotion, despite the many things that separate us and like that kind of vulnerability. Because you don't really have a lot of arenas in life where that happens, you know. Exactly. Very true. What was it like discovering your voice, passion, and purpose through poetry? Man, I'm so blessed. Uh, to know what I what I'm here for at such a young age you mm-hmm. know like I stumbled into my purpose at the University of Texas I love that university I will forever bleed burn orange that is um, awesome and I was blessed to have a coach to kind of let me do me mm-hmm. um, you know like a lot of coaches are very strict strict about their players being involved in other things um, and she kind of knew that uh, Monty was going to do what Monty was going to do and mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and through that I started uh, I made a youth playing poetry team in college uh, the summer before junior year and I had to miss workouts and so in order for me to miss workouts the deal was that I had to take like our local Longhorn Network with me and they were going to do a little expose on it but it was supposed to be like stuff on Thursday night on Longhorn Network don't actually have a channel it wasn't even supposed to be a thing wow. and like the of filming me they asked me like are you comfortable talking about what your like what your poetry is about and at the time I was performing a piece about my abuse I was confronting my sexual abuser um mm-hmm. And I was like, I'll probably regret this. I was like 19. But what, whatever, let's do it. Ah, like, nice. Yeah, it ended up becoming like an ESPN sports center feature, long form. It was on ESPN. It just became way bigger than me and what I expected. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was so scared at the time. But that moment kind of propelled me into what I think my purpose is. And so many people reached out to me saying like that they had similar experiences or that they were that they were so happy that someone was speaking about it because they weren't able to. Um, and so, like, I definitely believe that I use my platform to talk about mental illness, sexual abuse, sexual violence, because that's mm-hmm. something that I felt like I was the only one that had these things, you know, and I never saw anybody that looked like me dealing with these things. So exactly. my goal is to just kind of show people 
that these things happen, unfortunately, but you can be okay, you know? Exactly. That's amazing. Such a blessing, like you said, to be able to find it so young. And I want to know, how has it positively impacted you, as well as how have you, se- how have you seen it um, positively impact other people? Um, I think, so for me, I think for me, it was a, a healing thing, mm-hmm. like, being able to, like, speak and say that this happened to me and kind of stand in that and say I'm a survivor and hold that weight and kind of move through that and move past that. And then on the switch side, I, every time I kind of feel naked or vulnerable or, like, I don't want to do it anymore or anything like that, I meet somebody that says, like, that they're going through the same thing or that they're so thankful that I'm talking about it and it just kind of keeps me going, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I'm very aware of the blessing I have to be in the position I am, right? Like, I play basketball for a living. Mm-hmm. There are no really parameters on what I need to look like or sound like or be like. Exactly. I have the ability to kind of live in my full truth and live in this space without being a fear of losing the job or, mm. you know, or... or I'm not no. I'm no longer in danger, right? So exactly. I, I can speak about these things without repercussions. So I'm very aware of the blessing and privilege I have to do that. So mm-hmm. I, I think it's kind of a disservice if I don't. That's amazing. Thank you for using your platform in that way and for even being aware that you have one. I think that's one of the things that it took me a really long time to not just realize I had it, but to be willing to use it. And um, that's how we're here having this conversation today. So, again, thank you for joining us. Um, So, Amani, as someone who has wanted to commit suicide and has even tried, it really pains me to hear others go through it. Um, and go through similar situations. So I just want to first of all say I hear you, I see you, I understand, and I'm very, very proud of you. Um, very proud of you for being brave, for being willing to share your story with others and being willing to give back. Um, and I'm very, very happy we are both still here to have this conversation and give encouragement to other people like us. And if you don't mind me asking, um, one of the things I like to ask people who share the same experience or similar experiences is, can you share with us why you wanted to end your life or why you felt like you wanted to? And what was your thought process during that time? Um, well, thank you for also just having that conversation and being willing to have that conversation. For um, sure. For me, I tried to commit suicide three times. Mm-hmm. Uh, 10, 15, 16, I think it was. Um, and I just went through a lot uh, growing up. I was sexually abused. Um, you know, same parent household, one single parent household, parents split. I was abused by my stepmom. And wow. so I, I just went through a lot. And I, I felt, I kind of always felt like the black sheep grew up. And, and for the longest, for me, I felt like it'd be easy if I wasn't around. Mm-hmm. That was kind of my mindset. Like, I felt like I was hurting people that cared about me or people that I really loved. And it was just easier if I disappeared. Then I wouldn't be in pain. I wouldn't be causing pain to others. And obviously, that that's just depression speaking. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I'm much... I'm much more powerful and much more needed here, and I do more fear, but at the time, I didn't understand that. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't know anybody that was dealing with mental illness. I didn't know anybody that had been sexually abused. I didn't even know what sexual abuse was, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I didn't know, think, like, it, it took me a very long time to realize that I was a victim and any of that just comes to terms with any of that, thing, any of that type of situation because with childhood sexual abuse, like, you don't know anything. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like, you don't know if this is not right. You know something is wrong, but you don't know, like, how to explain what's going on. Um, 
And so I'm like, I'm so happy that God decided that it wasn't my time to go and mm -hmm. I never succeeded. Um, and I'm here to kind of tell my story. And it, it it's one thing for me that like, I hate when I hear people say that they're going through it because I know what that feels like. And I don't wish that pain on anybody, not exactly. even my worst enemy, you know, like it's a different type of pain and I don't, I don't wish that on anybody. So I try to just show people that like, like I, I feel like in pop culture and in, in the media in general, we see mental illness as like I'm super happy, and I never cry, and everything's perfect. Or I jump off, I'm jumping off a bridge, and I'm like suicidal, and mm -hmm. I, you know what I mean? Exactly. I never really see an everyday depiction of what mental health and mental illness looks like. And exactly. so, like sometimes I'm wild, <laughs> and I show people that. And sometimes I'm like a great role model, and it's amazing and peachy. But like I want to show people zero to a hundred because I think that we all kind of fall in there somewhere, but we only see the extremes. Mm -hmm. I agree. Wow. Thank you for sharing that with us. Seriously. Thank you so much. Um, and how are you able to recover and use the strength that you had left to keep fighting, to stay here with us? Man, I don't think it's strength. I think, um, I think that's nothing for God's grace. Honestly, uh, mm. I, I like to say, honestly, after my third time, like, I went to the hospital, I was placed on a 5150, I had to drink tar, I was committed, all that. Wow. And I was just like, well, I, I might as well stop trying. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, it didn't go up from there, but I, I was blessed to have a support system that kind of kept pushing me. Um, mm. and I found something that helped me in terms of expressing myself in a healthy manner and coping in a healthy manner, uh, which is poetry for me and basketball. So um, through that, and then when I went to the University of Texas, I could finally get the mental health services I needed that I couldn't afford growing up. You know, like mm. I, I couldn't go to the therapist growing up. I, we didn't have the money for that. Exactly. So when I got to Texas, I had all that for free. Um, and I also was in an environment where they encouraged me to do those things. That's beautiful. That is so beautiful. And it's amazing that you are able to talk about it and to now, you know, laugh about it. Um, that's That takes a lot of courage and a lot of, like you said, a lot of God's grace, not even just strength. Um, how did and does sharing your story serve you? Um, I, I just think it's, it's, I think I've met so many people that have told me, like, like, my, like when I first started sharing my story, um, I got an award for it. Mm. Uh, it was an advocacy award from a, from a um, non-profit organization called Sparks of Hope. And they do after-school programming and summer programming for kids that are in the foster care system or have been abused. Um, uh, and just kind of give them different opportunities. And they flew me out there. It was a nice gala. And I, I gave a speech, and I met a lady afterwards. She's probably like 75, 76, something in there, right? Okay. She comes up because I, I lived the exact same life you did. I was sexually abused by my grandfather, and I never told anyone. And as soon as I got the courage to, he died. Wow. And I didn't feel the, the tarnishes. Like, I didn't, I just didn't feel the need to bring it up anymore. So thank you for speaking about it. And, and like, I can't imagine holding that weight for a whole life, right? Mm -hmm. Like, holding that for decades. And so for me, I understand there's so many people out there that aren't going to be able to speak their truth or share their story just because of the situations they live in. So every time I do it, I'm doing it for them, and then I, I, I meet somebody. Or I, someone says that, that they come up to me and share their truth with me, and that, that just continues to move me and keep me going. That's beautiful. That's dope. Why were you initially afraid to share your story, and how did you overcome that fear? Uh, I, I think anytime you're kind of vulnerable, 
anything and it's something especially like sexual abuse because like with sexual abuse right people look at you like you're a superhero or you're like a piece of glass and you're yes. super fragile it's just like you don't there's not really anything in between exactly like um and it's just kind of a it's a weird feeling um and so obviously I, I just didn't want to be looked at differently because it's something that i had no control over right mm-hmm. and then on the flip side of that I didn't do it on purpose. Like, it kind of just, like, it just kind of happened. Exactly. And, like, for me, when I was performing that piece, it was something I had to do, and I had to get out. And when I'm performing, it's it's way easier for me to tell my story in front of, on a mic in three minutes in front of strangers than it is to sit down in, some, in front of somebody and tell them what happened. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? That's so like, true. Like, it's a lot easier to do that through art than it is in real life. That's um, so true. And then, like, when you realize that you're not alone and like unfortunately so many of us have these stories and have these instances it just helps you understand like that this is just kind of unfortunately like this is really just a part of life and if we continue to not talk about it and and stuff it down then like who are we really helping you know and like don't they win right like if i if i don't speak about it because i'm scared someone's gonna look at me crazy then doesn't my abuser win that's that's deep. <laughs> that is very deep. Dang, Amani, you got me over here speechless. <laughs> that's not deep. like when I did that ESPN thing. Like it was stuff on there that like my grandma didn't know, and I was really scared. I was so scared. But then so many people reached out to me like, bro, like nah, like you got it. You know, like we exactly. have you here, and like I went through this too, and like it's just so much bigger than one person. It's so much bigger than one person, and like. A lot of times we, we kind of inflate our own sense of self when in reality, like, the work we're doing is bigger than us. It's bigger exactly. than our parents and these, these singular moments, you know? Exactly. I literally just watched a video um, on Instagram on Angela Rye's page about uh, it was Mary J. Blige and she touched briefly on that about how we can block our own blessings by not wanting to walk in our truth or not wanting to use our gift and our purpose for something that is bigger than us. And I think that that's where some of us get lost at is thinking that anything is only about us and um i have tried i personally have tried so hard to run away from my purpose and one place i keep getting brought back to is home which is in ohio and i don't understand why every time i try to do (laughs) something i have moved all over this world and every time i try to make something happen for myself and do what I want to do. It just does not work. Um, and now that I am allowing God to do what he wants to do with me and walk on the path that he has laid out for me, my life is flowing so smooth and it has become so easy to now. And so much, I'm so much more confident walking in my truth and my purpose and the support and love and the feedback, I, positive feedback that I have received from doing this is so amazing. Um, so it definitely does do well to, to speak your truth. And that's why I named the podcast that, um, because there's nothing more helpful. Yeah. There's nothing more helpful to me is like storytelling to hear somebody else's story and how I can relate it to mine. Um, uh, one of my favorite ones is literally the the ones in the Bible, the story of Jesus, David, Daniel, all of them. Like I have used those these last several months of my life to overcome a lot of different battles. Um, but yeah, I think storytelling and sharing stories are the best way to help others. Um, that's how I received a lot of help. Um, let me see. What advice do you have for others experiencing abuse or who has experienced abuse, but it's, are uh, they're afraid to say it? and people who are suicidal or were suicidal? Um, I always say, 
like, hold on. And I hated that because when people told me it gets better when I was going through it, I was like, shut up. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> it's so true. Like, I literally just tell people, like, please hold on. Like, it's not going to get better tomorrow. It may not get better the week after that, but I promise you, you're worth it and you're necessary. And I want you here and I love you and I don't know you, but I promise you have a purpose. Yes. And you have to just use, you got to be here to get through it. You know what I mean? And exactly. I, I think some of us, I'm getting rougher paths than others, but, like, I can't walk in your shoes and you can't walk in mine, mm-hmm. but we're both here for a reason, you know, we both have a purpose. Exactly, and the perp- our purpose is on the other side of all of these rough trials and tribulations. Yes. Um, and you aren't exactly. going you know, you aren't going to discover it. it. It sucks, but you aren't going to discover it if you don't go through all of these things. And one thing that was shared with me, um, one of the wisest pieces of advice I've ever received is like, Jesus can't use perfect people. He can't use a perfect story. So yeah. if my story was perfect, how could I help other people? How could I reach the magnitude of people I want to reach if everything was all, you know, it, it was all rainbows for me. Um, people can't learn from that. So it sucks, but I have definitely learned to use my hard times to the best, like to my best advantage. Um, but yeah, th- thank you for that advice. Um, would you encourage others to express themselves through art or other creative ways? Definitely. I, I was like, I'm Erica Badu in my mind. So like, <laughs> I definitely I, dig I, that. I, I love people expressing themselves in other ways. Um, I think we force children to be artsy or athletic way too soon. Like, you can be both. Mm-hmm. I'm with an example of being both. So, I think art is something that's necessary. Music. Very drawing, poetry, writing, all of these things are things that are needed in a positive way to kind of deal with the bad times. Mm-hmm. I agree. It's It's really, for me, I've always been artsy never really been good at drawing but I've always loved to draw um can't sing at all but I will sing all day long cannot dance but I dance anything that has to do with art um and I feel like this is a form of art as one thing where I'm using my voice um I one day soon want to start a production company um and do a bunch of stuff with that yeah so it's like I love being creative and it's kind of um for me cool because I relate everything so much to basketball because basketball is a form of art. There's so many different creative things that we are able to do with our skills and our gifts on the court. Uh, so it's really, really cool when people are able to also um, discover other creative talents that they have. That's really, really cool. What is the importance of a support system and surrounding yourself with positive people, especially when you're going through hard times? Man, I love so, like, my biggest thing to say is, like, when everyone says, like, I got it out the mud, I did it myself, it's a lie. <laughs> like, it does not exist. <laughs> like, whether your support system is your parents or somebody you don't even, like, you have no familiar relationship with, you mm-hmm. always have somebody. Like, there is no, no person is man-made, no person can do it themselves. Like, we just aren't built that way as humans. And so, I always cannot stress enough is the support system like growing up I didn't have a great relationship with my parents the people that the adults in my life that supported me the most were not blood related Mm -hmm. they were church members or administrators at my school but they weren't my family Mm -hmm. and luckily blessingly like I have a great relationship with my parents let me not say great but (laughs) I have a great relationship with my parents today um but growing up I didn't at all but that didn't mean like I didn't have a support system you know and I think we often get caught on 
caught up in the fact that if we don't have like that picture perfect family picture then then we're just like sol when in reality like you can find and make your family and make that support system whatever you need or whoever you need very true that is so true people definitely get so caught up in blood family and like you said like my relationship with my parents is good enough um but my biggest support comes from honestly people I don't even know um and my girlfriend who I have me haven't even been dating a year yet like she supported me way more than people I'm related to um recently and I think so people we are naturally I feel like afraid to trust other people um you know, or afraid to accept other people's loyalty or whatever, but there's nothing wrong with making new friends or people who want to support you who don't know you. Like, just be open to that. I think that is such, such great advice, too. Um, tell us a little bit, or actually a lot of bit, all about Hoops and Hope, the new foundation you just started. So, Hoops and Hope Foundation is my baby, and I'm so happy <laughs> if I have my 5123. Nice. Um, this started um, my first year in the league, and I finally got the whole shebang. So the first purpose is to promote arts and athletics. Like I said, I'm a gray area person. Mm-hmm. I am an artsy person, and I'm also super athletic, and both of those things were necessary for me in my full development. Mm-hmm. The second purpose is to have family-friendly conversations about mental health, sexual abuse, sexual violence, and healthy relationships. Nice. Because I think it's entirely too late to have that conversation, and a lot of things can be prevented merely by conversations and education. That's and very true. Lastly, once I have funding, my goal is to help break the prison, the school to prison pipeline by providing therapy to inner city schools. Wow. Instead of kids troubled and suspending them multiple times and then in continuation school and later on juvie, now instead of being suspended for the third time, you have to go speak to this counselor during seventh period on, at no cost to your parents or the school. So that's like long term goal though, once I have like funding. But sure. that's my life. Like, this is like if I could stop playing basketball tomorrow, like I would love to do this full time and like I just like, it makes me happy. That's beautiful. Well, I'm definitely going to be praying that you can do it full time really soon because that's amazing. And I'm super, super thankful you're doing that. That's cool. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Amani, that's all I have for you. If you have anything else you want to share, any advice, please do. Um, but other than that, that's all I have for you. No, um, I think it's so dope. I appreciate you having me. And I really want you to know that, like, bro, like, I remember you. Like, I don't <laughs> think you're going to know. Like, you were a recruiting tool. Like, I remember you. Oh, my goodness. Thank you. I appreciate that for real. Thank you so much. Thank you. That's dope because I've been like I've I heard about you um, and I can remember somebody when I was overseas. They like, asked me how I seen you play. One of my friends from back home. And I was like, nah, nah, yeah, like I'm overseas. This why I feel like I can't watch nothing. But when I could <laughs> finally like see you, man, like just watching you play and how you use your size, I think is amazing. Um, and I'm going to recommend my little hard-headed brother to watch you play. He don't like watching women, but I tell him, like, it's the best <laughs> thing you could absolutely you do. So right, for real. So, yeah, he's only 14, but I'm going to tell him to watch you and, and some of the other women because y'all can hoop too, and, and people don't like to acknowledge that, but we deserve just as much respect, if not more, than, than the guys do. So I appreciate what you do, um, especially for, for what y'all get in return, um, and that just shows me that y'all really, truly love the game. Y'all not doing it for the money. So thank you for that also. 
Yeah, thank you. I appreciate your time, bro. For sure, so for sure. Keep in touch, and I'll uh, I'll talk to you soon. Okay, thank you so much. Awesome.